Chapter 30 Peace All right, that's good news, Ala. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Simpha waved goodbye as she slowly closed the door. She returned to the simple desk by the window, draped in a light, golden-brown gown. A soft, thick red cloak wrapped her shoulders, keeping her warm. Several weeks had passed. It was now late autumn and nearly winter. On the back of her chair, Tatara still lay on her belly, her cheeks in her palms. Why are you so fidgety, Sinfa? Tatara looked back over her shoulder at her. Sinfa finished tying the second of her two neat pigtails behind her head and stepped to the glass window. The sky was pale and cloud-covered. The sun didn't shine, nor had it save once since its rise the morning when the dragon army had been driven off. Since then, the weather had gone from chilled to freezing. There were probably snows coming. He should be up and about today. They said they'd be coming. Simpha blinked and said softly. Across the way was the long row of dragon stables, stretching south along the length of the east wall of Grendelok Keep. In fact, the stable where they defended Darf and Jaffreen sat just across the road. It rose tall and strong alongside several other stables, undamaged. But further to her left, off northward, lay several blackened ruins of once proud structures that hadn't escaped the wrath of the Chromabacks. Though the Battle of Black Dawn had ended, they'd all begun calling it that, significant time had been spent removing bodies from the keep and burying the fallen from the battlefield of the plains. The memory stirred Simpha's sorrow. So much life lost. I agreed Tartara, who'd fashioned something of her own shawl out of a light blue handkerchief. But you're dwelling. Come on, this should be a happy day. She smiled and nodded, forcing Simpha to do the same. After the slain were cleared and the honored either burned or buried, a memorial had been erected at the northern end of Grenelog Keep. Beneath it were laid many of the fallen knights and dragons. The monument was called the Spire of Remembrance, and those slain during the battle were given a grand funeral as part of the dedication ceremony. That had helped to ease the knights' hearts. Simpha traced a faint line in the frost of the window. It was a cog in a tube. She erased it, not sure what it was for. She adjusted her focus. Three horse-pulled carts went along the path, the beast's breath a visible mist that puffed from their nostrils and lifted slowly into nothingness. They were heading back to their fields by the gate. That too had seen significant repairs. In a moment, the carts were gone, but when she looked back to the stone-covered path in front of her gatehouse, she saw a small group of familiar faces. The half-ogre walked tenderly and held his side. He used a thick branch as a cane to help him along, but was led by Jaffreen, Straven, and Rail. Behind them were Jaffreen's new and ever-present escorts, a blonde-haired girl and a larger man, both armored but bearing the symbol of Lumina on their tunics and cloaks. Simpha rushed to the door and threw up a wave. Darn. She said happily. It's good to see you up and moving around all right. The half-ogre cracked a smile on his stiff lips, but he kept his eyes low, staring at the ground as he made his way slowly up her walkway. Jeffreen looked at her with her own smile. Sinfa, you look lovely. She herself had taken on a finer cloak, and her robes looked warmer and thicker as well. Greetings, said Straven, coming along beside her. When he'd come to her threshold, Darf finally spoke. Hey, Red, his voice grumbled. You, uh... You look well. Thank you. Please, come in for a bit, said Simpha. There's not much room to sit. 
but let's let Darf rest a moment. Rail's face was as stern as Sinfa had ever seen it. I'm not staying for the feast, said Rail. The rest of us will be off within the hour. Tatar lifted herself to a sitting position. Sinfa caught the look between her and Rail. I mean it. Right after the feast. And I'm being generous. I'm probably stupid letting you stay, Rail said, clearly addressing Jafreen, Striven, and Tatara. Jafreen glared at her paladin guards. They've not given me much of a choice anyway. I promise. We'll be off right after. Then Rail turned his eye on Simpha. I trust you'll make a safe delivery, Miss Songbird. Bear south along the coast for as much of the journey as you're able. Lieutenant Rocketblade and I avoided any of the mess near Karagard keep that way. Simpha found her fingers on one of her pigtails and immediately missed her cap. But I haven't seen a thistle lion yet. What? Rail said, confused. You've my word we'll get back safe, said Simpha with a half smile. There was no reason to discuss Sithelnor now. I'll leave two forest griffins to accompany you, Rail said, glancing at Jeffrey. That's not necessary, no, replied the druid. He said it with a crooked smile, but then Rail's voice went grim, his eyes dark, as he stepped toward the door and opened it. Just remember, these two griffins are free to leave for you, because our own rangers were killed here. He pushed past the two paladins who watched from the doorway, without more than a sneer, and was gone. Jeffreen sighed, looking down for a moment as Tatara came and hugged her neck. So, how are your wounds? Simpha said, turning to Darf, who'd settled down on a couch far too small for him. She glanced over toward the paladins of Lumina at the door, then at Jeffreen. I was worried the clerics wouldn't make it there in time. They've given you proper repairs? Or, uh, I mean, healing then? So it seems, grunted Darf. If Jeffreen hadn't looked after me, though, I don't know if they'd have needed to. I would be dead. Oh, and I guess I owe you thanks. If you and the others hadn't guarded the stable we were in, that would have made me dead too. It was nothing, said Simpha. You would have done the same. She wondered for a brief moment whether that was true, then resigned herself to the happier of the two thoughts. Has anyone seen Turam? grunted Darf. Or Aldor? Simpha looked to Jaffreen and Straven. Aldor's been to see you several times while you were being tended to. He's been a bit of a mess, actually. I'm sure he'll be happy to see you're up, said Jaffreen with a consoling nod. In all her time at Grendelok Keep, Lola had spent most of it in the kitchen at the back of one of the mess halls. Today, she was there again, standing over a cook pot of seasoned potatoes. She'd been taken in quite well by most of the keep's cooks. She was skilled at soups, and her chestnut and daikon broth were going to be the base of a handful of foods to be served at the feast. It brought her comfort to be with the halfling cooks too, and in a way, it reminded her of her village before it was destroyed by the Dragonites. How's that soup going down, Mr. Steelax? She wiped her hands on her apron and climbed to the top of a stool in front of the opening looking out to the mess hall. She stood up and saw several of the Knights of the Hawk eating what she'd made them. She smiled. Even after all the deaths she'd seen, this still brought her some joy. Aldo arrested his head in one hand while the other spooned a mouthful of soup. It dribbled down his red beard. Aye. He groaned. I have to thank you. It's a right good solvent for Jorbarathian ale. It's always been my favorite. Not so sure anymore. Lala shook her head. Dolph should be up and about soon. 
you get yourself together and go see him just as soon as you finish that up. I'll do a give a start, then nodded quickly. Huh? Oh, I will, I will. Lola wondered if he'd forgotten. Well, Miss Trufferroot, what do you do now that things have settled? Asked one of the other halflings behind her. Meaning after the feast, of course. His name was Bonathan Bluefoot, a captain of a unit of halfling archers. He'd come by often to visit many of the halfling cooks, and they'd talked regularly for the past few weeks. She'd learned about all the other halflings in the keep, and of the general business going on beyond the kitchen from him. I'm not sure yet, she said. In fact, I was just thinking about that. I've still got to find some sort of solution to my dilemma. You could always join the kitchen staff here, or maybe even stay with one of the clerics at the chapel. We don't have any summoners here. I'm sure you could teach the other clerics much. You might have learned something yourself. His one patched eye looked at her brightly. He'd lost it during the battle, but it didn't seem to have dampened his spirits. Satisfied with the happily eating knights, Lala climbed down off the stool. I'm not sure if I want to leave the plains just yet. I've always lived among their gentle hills. Maybe I always will. Well, my friend, just know we'll always welcome you within our walls. You're too kind, said Lola sheepishly, and she meant it, but she didn't know what else to say about that yet. Aldua mumbled something as he slid off his chair, letting his spoon clatter into his bowl loudly. I'm gonna go see if I can find Darf. He should be with the others by now. Lola watched Aldua start to leave, still a little wobbly. I'm off too. She quickly gathered a box of goods and stepped out right behind Aldor, smiling and nodding goodbye to Bodith as she left. A scurry of folk prepared for the celebration. She saw the fine dining halls across the path with great works of stone for pillars set with winged devices and hawk symbols of all kinds. The whole steps were well hewn too, fitted tightly together, and they went up 17 strides to the double doors leading inside. And they weren't just one of these halls, there were three. There had been lots of Knights of the Hawk before the battle. Now, sadly, the Battle of Black Dawn had reduced their numbers by so many that one hall was enough to fit them all. Lola pushed aside that dark thought. She rubbed her hands together, trying to keep them warm for a few moments longer. The sky was pale with chill air, and the ground was hard, even in places it wasn't supposed to be, made frozen by winter's onset. She shivered. All right, Mr. Steelax, she said, ready to head separate ways for now. I've a good many things to tend to. Our other guests should be arriving soon. But say hello to Darth for me. And, um, I'm glad your friend is okay. Aldo wrapped his cloak about his shoulders. Aye, you and me both. Turm strode alongside the inner west wall, heading south. The winter air bit at his face. It smelled like cold, frozen ground and fading foliage just like back on the farm. He passed the noisy drill yards where several companies practiced their swordsmanship, not envious of their hands on cold steel. It was strange. He hadn't even thought of touching a blade since his resurrection. Perhaps he wouldn't need to again in his lifetime, so long as he bore the aureate. As he had many times since that day, he considered how unusual it was he could wield the mace with such skill. He'd been well practiced with a sword, but somehow the mace had seemed to fit perfectly into his technique. Off to the right stood one of the small chapels. There weren't a great number of clergy there, not as many as at some of the cathedrals in Dartari at least, but though he respected them, he was not happy about how they'd put Jaffreen under guard until she'd left. As he walked past the last chapel, 
he saw several of the clerics out front, watching the doors for those who would come out of the cold to take part in services. He rarely came to the chapels. His time was filled with the duties of a wing commander. He was interested, however, in their small force of paladins, guardians and keepers that the church kept. Lumina had told him he was to be one of them. I don't know exactly what to do about that. And certainly don't have time to seek the answer to that riddle, he thought. Not yet, at least. And because of the watch they'd put on Jaffreen for suspicions of magic, he was definitely not in the mood yet. With a broad wave, he greeted the clerics, who bowed in return. Word had already begun to spread of Term's miraculous recovery from death, and while even among them there were skeptics, many believed he'd been given a gift from the god. Term didn't take the time to go in. Instead, in his own thought, he asked for peace from the god, though he knew it wouldn't be long if it lasted. Company Commander Rengaze had instructed him to meet with his wing before the evening's events to ensure the riders had been properly rearmed and armored, and that their riding shields were all in working order. Of course, he'd already done a quick job of it a few days after the end of the battle, but his inspection hadn't been official. He entered the armory, swinging open the heavy wooden doors. Inside, Sand, Artho, Cairn, Breed, and Barla had awaited his arrival, scattered across the room, each busy at their own task, taking little heed of the opening door yet. I appreciate your prompt arrival, called Turim as he entered, especially with the approaching feast. The others quickly lined up at Sand's bark. Not a problem, sir. We are ready for inspection. You've prepared already? asked Turim. Indeed, sir, said Cairn unexpectedly. Turim squinted at them. Why? We want to make this fast, Commander. It's cold, and these armories are colder yet. Sen was furiously rubbing his hands together, but held a grin on his face. We'd also like to get ready for the feast, added Bartlett. Turim nodded and moved to stand in front of each of them. Breed? All healed up? Sleek scale is good? My ribs are doing fine. Breed rubbed his chest plate as though he could feel through it. And sleek scales... scales should heal up in a few weeks. If he quits pecking at them. Turim took a step to his right in front of Bartlett. Morning's riding shield have that dent pounded out? Yes, sir, grunted Bartlett with a salute. She made Dorot Smithy do it the next day. Turm chuckled. <laughs> you two get out of here. He stepped further to come before Cairn as Breed and Bartlett strode off. Sir Hollowstail, we've barely had a moment since you joined the wing. That's right, sir, said Cairn. It's my honor to be a part of it, though, Commander. It's rough your first real engagement with us was so... Term wasn't sure what to say. Well, we made it through. By the way, where are you from, Kern? I'm from the area about Rake Tor, though my family comes from Tasokan. I thought that might be the case. I hope they fare well, said Term with concern. They're all right, said Cairn. When the messages were sent across the countryside, word reached them, and they left for a tour. That's what their last letter said anyway. Good, good, said Durham, petting Cairn's pauldron. Your weapon looks clean. I saw Eastwind a few days ago, and he looked fine. So, off with you then. See you at the feast. Yes, sir. Cairn slapped off another salute and hustled out. Arthur was last and Turim felt he needed to give him a little privacy to talk. Arthur, how are you? Fine, Commander, he replied, his scabbard in hand, half-exposed blade shining. Turim made hard eye contact. I'm very sorry about Warren. I hope you and Cairn are working out your synergy. 
Arthur had something of a scowl still, but cracked the corner of his mouth slightly. Warren and I were solid wingmates, and friends. It's going to take a bit. If you ever need anything, said Turham, if you ever need to talk, I'm open ears. I don't do that, sir, replied Arthur. You know me. Just give me time. Very good, then. I know I don't need to make these small acts of weapon and armor management with you. You have my sign-off. You're dismissed. Arthur strode away, sliding his blade into his scabbard. He paused at the door. Commander, I don't know how you did it, but I'm glad you came back. Some people have all the luck, huh? <laughs> then he went out into the cold. Term caught eyes with San within the confines of the armory, alone again. San looked back. They hadn't had time to talk for days. The men are anxious for the feast. How about you? Asked San. Term nodded slowly and reached down to pick up a check sheet. I'm hungry, sure. It'll be good to see everyone again. I'm not looking forward to questions, though. San waited for him to finish scratching a last mark with the quill. You went down and popped back up like a gopher. <laughs> it's nothing to scoff at. Term looked at San with a serious gaze. That was hardly something I had control over. And I don't think I should be awarded for doing something that so many did that night with greater finality. San shook his head. What was it like to die? He said hesitantly. Term took a slow step toward a rack of lances and selected a new, strong-shafted one. He remembered it now only vaguely. That's what I mean. They keep asking. I'm not sure what they want me to say most of the time. He paused, then looked at Sand again. It was warm, but I couldn't feel. And it was bright, but I couldn't really see with my eyes. I remember Lumina, though. She was the most beautiful being I've ever seen. I don't think I'll ever see a woman that beautiful again. I'm tainted by the experience. Maybe purified? I don't know what to call it. San's mouth bent. That's sad. <laughs> but that's all that happened. Seems to me it was just a dream you had of a lady. That doesn't make you special. Term couldn't do anything more than smile at the jest. It did happen, Sand. No matter how hard it is to believe, it did happen. With all I've seen in our time as Knights of the Hawk, sighed Sand gently. <sighs> I believe you. It's certainly one of the most amazing tales I've ever heard, though. But why did Lumina send you back? Term turned around, facing Sand now. He completed looking over all of their arms. I only know I was meant to stop Gewermark Rotbone. Maybe my life will end now that it's done. I don't know. I can't remember much of what I was told. Like a fading dream. San shot back at him with an unusual possessiveness. Don't say that. Your life isn't ending. That messed with me and I'm not doing it again. He quickly changed the subject. What do you think the Dragon Army will do next? Turin brushed past San and began to make for the threshold. San fell in beside him, and the pair stepped outside the armory, shutting the heavy wooden doors behind them. I'm not sure yet, said Turin as he watched San close and lock them. Then San turned and gave him the key. They aren't prepared for another attack. 
that's good for us. Because, if you haven't noticed, we can't stand alone against them at this point anyway. We've lost way too many knights and dragons to ever again do what we did this time. The stars shone in the deep blue of evening as the festival began. Torchlight brightened each road to the dining halls. Everything within the walls of Grenelok Keep and beyond was a bustle of hurrying bodies wrapped in warm winter clothing. Inside the hall, the tables were set. Fine silver dining ware sparkled in the candlelight of each table. Candelabras lit the great hall, hung from the high ceilings, bright like rays of an angel. Term stood near the head of his table, his thoughts mostly on things far off and remote. Can you relax? said Sen, already sitting a few seats down. A draft leapt up as the great doors opened and Straven and Jaffreen came hustling through. For the love of the god, it's a Frostwolf's teach out there, shouted Jatara as she whizzed past them, flitting her wings rapidly to warm up. Tatara, keep your voice low, hushed Jaffreen, who seemed a little uncomfortable in the finer setting. But the hall had grown noisy, as knights and squires, smiths, librarians, and clerics of all sizes and shapes poured through the doors on either side of the room. Durham moved to greet the rangers as they entered. Welcome! I'm glad you're still here. He glanced beyond them to the pair of paladins of Lumina escorting her. You would have known that if you'd come to see us this week, said Tatara, her face clearly grumpy over it, but it quickly softened and she buzzed in for a hug. My deepest apologies, said Turum. It was partly in jest, but he was sincere. I've been so busy getting as much as I can reordered after the battle. I didn't even know where all of your guest houses were. We forgive you, said Streven with a crisp nod. Jaffreen tilted her head in understanding. Rail's off, said Jaffreen. But we've been given until tomorrow morning at least. Term looked over her shoulder again. He spoke in lower tones. I'm so sorry about your little tagalongs. I tried, but there's nothing I could do. Jaffreen gave Term a sad look. I didn't cast a single spell but they were far too suspicious of my Herblor. Herblor, Jerem! She skillfully kept her tone quiet, but he perceived her whispering shout. Term set his jaw. They don't understand it. In time, if knowledge of your talents were shared, perhaps. He looked into the pools of her eyes. I truly am sorry. Jaffreen straightened and gave a final nod. I know. Then she put on a smile and gazed at the table. I'm very glad we were able to convince Rael of our desire to hold company with you the last time. I'm sorry he needed any convincing. He's not of the mind you are when it comes to dealings with the Dragon Army. I didn't need to speak with him to know that much, said Durham, turning so they could make their way to the table. I could tell as soon as we sat down in the field. You must understand his feelings, though, said Jeffreen, unexpectedly supporting their leader. He wishes only for our safety, so his heart is in a good place, though his thoughts too can be narrow. More like a mother Grisiak protecting her young. Turn nodded. Wise words as usual, but I want the same myself, really. I've just been trying to see a greater purpose in our stand against the Dragon Army. However, tonight we eat. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Come. Food will be served soon, and Sand urges me to talk of brighter things over the evening's meal. Sand looked up at them as they came to their seats. Yeah, dismal, right? A cloak of blue adorned his shoulders, 
pinned with a golden hog. He smiled pleasantly, greeting people. Turm patted Sturman on the shoulder heartily as he approached. Sturman smiled, and Turm could see he was licking his lips and looking around for the food already. I'm glad to be here, Churum, he said with a wide smile, moving to his chair. Turm let out a chuckle. I'm sure you are, my friend, and I'm happy you all came. To Sand's left sat the rest of the wingmates, and further, beside Bartlett, sat Aldor and Darf. Aldor now wore only a fine tunic of deep green. It was nice. He'd finally set aside both his steel cap and male hauberk. He'd also combed his beard. Beside him, Darf dressed in clean garments of jade green and black. The two of them had been in deep talks about their return already. Miss Truffleroot? Miss Songbird? said Sen, standing up as the two ladies came walking up to the table. Simpha smiled, almost as if she was uncomfortable to be in such a setting, but Darf stood quickly, pulling out her seat for her. Everyone else at the table stared. Apparently, Darf had manners somewhere in all that bulk. Mala looked around, almost fidgeting, then sat down beside Simpha. The halfling dressed in rustic orange robes draped down to her furry feet, dangling a good deal above the ground in a high seat she'd been seated in. Wadith Bluefoot came up to the table moments after. Durham had met him before, but something was different about him now. Oh, his poor eye, thought Durham. Bodith smiled at Lala and indicated one of the empty chairs. Are these seats taken? Lala's eyebrows rose. Sorry, having another offling at the table would be nice, but they're saved. No worries, Miss Trappleroot. Bodith bowed and turned. Turm watched Bodith walk to a table nearby. He found a seat there, not far away from Grandmaster Strongthorns. Just as Turm was about to slide into his chair, he returned his curious attention to Lala. Wait. Who are these chairs for, then? Lola and Simpha caught each other's eye and smiled for a moment, but they didn't offer him an answer. They were the last seats and made up the remainder of the table. He tilted his brows down in frustration at them. Why so secretive? But it was only a few moments before his thoughts were answered. Two black-hooded figures, one tall and one short, stepped through the door. Over their shoulders, they wore black ponchos. Lala smiled a knowing smile at Simpha, as Turm quickly walked to the end of the table again. He paused there a moment as the two approached. Master Shadowstar! exclaimed Turm. Realizing he was standing dumbstruck, he suddenly bowed. Awkward, said Meineken, smiling as he removed his hood. Then he too bowed in return. You've met Master Purplefist, briefly. Yes, of course. It's good to see you both well, said Turm. Good evening, Commander Gliderlance, said Ryuki. Master Shadowstar has spoken much of you and your deeds. I believe we all owe you a life debt. All that you owe me at this moment is a fine dinner, replied Term, delighted that Meineken was there. Come, sit, all of you. Term walked his Kithkin friend to his seat, along with Master Purplefist. Good to see you, but who sent word for you? Once we received news of your victory in Tussacan, I assumed you'd be far too busy to travel again so soon. Manikin nodded silently and smiled. We were visited by a messenger hawk in the middle of the night. You have Lala and Sinfa to thank for inviting us. Term turned quickly. Thank you. That was a kind and welcome thing you've done. Lala smiled and looked to Sinfa. It seemed the right thing to do. Sinfa said with a wink. Term sat and watched the hole slowly fill with thousands, each dressed in their finest clothes, happy and warm despite the cold. During this, he leaned toward Meineken. 
I'll get scolded if I linger too long on talks of war. But truly, how is the Black Talon clan? How did the city fare in the battle? And I also heard you're the only two masters who remain. I'm sorry to hear it. Minikin exchanged looks with Master Purplefist. Ryuki and I are doing our best to reorder. But for now, our numbers can't really be called a clan anymore. In time, we may grow again, added Ryuki, her hands folded delicately on the table in front of her. But yes, our priorities are with Tusukan itself now. Magistrate Grimswalla was assassinated the night of the attack as well. He leaves no heir, primarily because he was a pig of a man. Master Shadowstar, scolded Ryuki with a smile. What? Manikin went on. So we work to elect a new leader as we try to make repairs and return missing belongings. The looting by the Dark Elves was and has been rampant. Ryuki chimed in again. It has been a struggle. Chizukon received a great deal of damage as the Black Division's ogres and wolf riders fled back through Chizukon. But they've now head east. What's left of them? They had no choice, Manikin jumped in. Every last one of their ships had been sunk when they returned. What? said Term curiously. How did that happen? It seems our friends, the Sea Elves of Undergleam just beyond the Bay of Ixidor, they helped us. They've also begun aiding us in the work to recover as well. If it wasn't for them, what remained of the Black Division's fleet there might have been able to recover, Minikin said with a tilt of his head. Term looked down the table to see most of his companions listening in. Especially Aldor, he noted. We're all back together, said Zimpha with a nostalgic smile. I'm glad you're alive, Master Shadowstar. Presently, the food arrived. It smelled strong and made mouths water with anticipation. There was dark plum duck, sweet carrots and napa stew, and potatoes topped with great mounds of hand-churned butter. There were ears of golden corn, the best of such in all of Cornelius, and savory skinned turkey, dripping with gravy, sweet rolls with poppy seeds, delicious jellies of all kinds, crisp daikon, and savory dumplings, there were also beers and ales of various sorts, much of it brewed by men, but the best of it brewed by the skilled dwarven brewmasters of Jorah Barath. As the night drew on, more and more dishes were brought to the tables. The hall grew louder, filled with jovial conversation of all kinds. Some spoke of their families, some of their farms, some of their friends, and some of their travels. But there were few who wanted to speak of the great war they'd all taken part in. Not that night. Not just yet. When each guest ate their fill, and the plates and dining wares had been whisked swiftly away by a great many feet of halflings, sprites, and men, the Grandmaster went to the front of the hall. Grandmaster Daynard Strongthorn stood on a stage before the crowd, his face proud yet stern. I wish to bid you all a good eve, for tonight is a celebration of things long awaited. Thousands of cheers filled the hall. The clamor was like waves on the shore, receding and pounding again. It took several minutes before the guests grew quiet once more. Grandmaster Strongthorn continued. We've fought together and we have won together. And I will bet that each and every one of you feels the one at your side is as a brother or a sister now. For the greatest friendships and alliances are formed in the wake of tragedies and triumphs. As his speech went on, he thanked each of Term's companions individually. He also gave great honor to the Black Talon Ninja Clan for their halting of the Black Division's navy. Folks stood, 
raising their arms in triumph, waving their fists in the air. Those who sat around Terum's table urged their companions up also. There were cheers and shouts of joy, and then there was the clunking of wooden mugs as they toasted Terum's allies for the aid they'd given. Many other squads and individuals were honored that eve. Among them was Bodith Bluefoot, who'd been the first to fire his arrow at the enemy. His deeds caused many halflings to hold him in high esteem after that. With the loss of his eye in the battle, their knights always honored those wounded. Company Commander Van Ledsword was toasted as well for the defending of the Tasakans, as was Company Commander Rengaze, for her entire company had done great deeds, including Term's wing. Finally, the long night ended. After that, Term's companions stayed in the guest houses for several days more, but at length, they prepared to return to their homes. When Term approached, the airship sat in the takeoff field again, and Straven climbed up the rope ladder, handing a bundle to Jaffreen as Tatara followed. He'd been up before dawn, but not much before Simfa, who'd been scrutinizing every last aspect of the Cloud Racer. Not that she hadn't been over every inch of it to check for damage in the week since the battle. Aldor and Dara followed along on either side of Turum. So you're going to do what? Stride up in front of the King of Dunarg and say, My lord, I'm taking your knights for a bit, if you don't mind. Don't worry, I'll return them later. But for now, know they fight a just fight. Aldor and Darf chuckled as they came beneath the shadow of the Cloud Racer. <laughs> Something like that. I've some thoughts. But for years, I have done nothing to hinder the Dragon Army's progress. Even now, I've let them enter my own lands and be backed in. His voice kept growing stronger. When I return to Pibactin, I'm going to muster the Knights of the Hammer. The Dragon Army has driven them from their keep. You can be sure they'll take great pleasure and pride in helping me vanquish the rest of the Black Division. Oh, but I'm not stopping there. There will be many dwarves who might be mustered now in Pibactin. Soon, news will spread of your slaying of Gilwermark Rotbone. Then they'll see it. They'll see again the possibility of a victory. A possibility they haven't had eyes and hearts to see for years. Term halted, looking back to see Minakin, Ryuki, and Lala approaching to see them all off as well. Then he turned back to Aldor and Darf. You two be careful. He shook Aldor's hand. And you, Darf Bloodshedder, son of Gondorf Bloodshedder, fellow of giants. Term pat the half-ogre on the arm, which was far firmer than he'd expected. Those injured in battle are deserving of great honor, especially those injured by dragons. Not many live through that attack. Don't ever let anyone make you feel otherwise. Darth had no words for a long while, but his heavy lips soon cracked into a smile, and he looked at Turm kindly. Thanks, Halfbreed. This means a lot to me. Then he gave Turm a thump on the shoulder that nearly knocked him to the frozen ground. You deserve it, said Durham, rubbing his arm. Lala moved up to Aldor and Darf, embracing them both with a hug. Take care. Aldor smiled and rubbed the back of his head. I apologize for the remark I made about the hole, he said softer than usual. But truth be told, my apology is now partly in fear of you, my halfling friend. Lala chuckled and gave a slight curtsy. Apology accepted. You take care, Mr. Steelwax. Darf patted Lala on the head, trying to be as gentle as his thick-knuckled hands could be. Goodbye, little halfling, and 
May your vegetables be bountiful. He scratched his purple hair. Um, forgive my ridiculous words if they're shameful. I don't really know what to say to your folk in times like these. His head bowed slightly. Lola smiled and patted the half-ogre's hand. <laughs> That'll do just fine, Mr. Bloodshedder. Travel safe. Mannequin and Master Purplefist bowed to the pair, keeping more to themselves. Awkwardly, Aldor and Darth did their best to return it, and for a moment, Jerem thought the two might fall over. Darth seemed to give a sigh of relief as he stepped in behind Aldor and they moved toward the rangers as they came down the rope ladder, followed by Simpha. Jerem sensed that the rangers were a bit on edge. He looked again to the pair of paladins who'd given the courtesy to have drawn off and sat on a bench quite a distance away. Tatara came up to him first, wrapping her little arms around his neck. Will we see you again? We certainly cannot return here, said Jeffrey as she approached. Our parting this time may perhaps be a permanent one. Jerem sensed the pain in her. But I do hope we might see you again one day. I simply cannot be sure our paths will cross. You've done much for this world, Shirim. But each has their own path. Theirs to walk, no matter if you can accompany them or not. Term pondered that. Your words are wise, milady. I'll miss you and your counsel greatly. I know what you and the rangers may face now. You take care of the rangers of ease. <laughs> After, Term and Straven gave each other a solid handshake. Call on me if you're ever in need. I'll come as fast as I can. Goodbye, friend, said Straven in his simple manner. Datara flew back from hugging Lola and Meineken. Moving past Term slowly, she whispered, Don't worry, Term. We'll be okay. And Jaffreen doesn't blame you. We just need to get back quick is all. <laughs> Simpha came up to Term next then, exchanging hugs as well. What else is there to say? You've been pretty tight-lipped about your death, but as awful and horrific this all was, I'm glad you're alive. Glad Darth lived. Glad we're all alive. Term smiled, then his thoughts went back to the fall of Garamark Robbone. Sinfa, please be careful when you return. Ah, you know I will, she said, throwing a soft jesting punch at his arm. No, I mean with the Cloud Racer too, he went on. Just be careful where you go, and thank you for everything. We really would have never made it without you and the Cloud Racer. I told you that when we met, she said with a smirk. <laughs> really, we'll be fine on ease. You don't have to worry. The Knights of the Badger are there, and we'll be on the lookout for any more Dark Knights. Make sure you take time to eat, drink, and be merry too, as they say, said Lola coming up to her. It really is quite important. Simpha chuckled as she turned and prodded the rangers, Darf and Aldor, up the ladder and climbed after them. <laughs> There's always more to you than you let on, Miss Truffleroot. That it is. Mineken and Ryuki came up next to Turim and Lala. They bowed a last time to those departing. Goodbye, said Mineken. Aboard the ship, Simpha called her last goodbye just before the propellers reached full speed. Then her voice was drowned out by the steady chug and whir of the rotors. Term and the others waved as the cloud racer lifted into the air and watched for a long while as the airship sailed toward the golden horizon. Master Shadowstar, said Ryuki. Minikin turned to Term. We've horses waiting at the south gate. Together, the four of them walked that way, 
down the dirt paths away from the dragon stables. Turim, I cannot remember what it was like not to know you now, said Mayakin as they walked quietly together. You've saved us all, my friend. Turim's eyebrows lowered and he shook his head. No, Master Shadowstar. He laid his hand on the Kithkin's shoulder. What you've done for our country is as honorable as anything I could ever hope to achieve. Your defense of your city was the defense of my own keep, of Deltaria, of our country. I give you the greatest thanks that can be offered. Always know we'll be here for Tusselkan. And I for you, returned Minikin. Ryuki and Minikin mounted and readied themselves to ride out. Farewell, said Turum. And have a great winter. I'm sure we'll see each other again soon. You're only a hair's hop away. Two mornings later, no one saw Turum off. He'd bid both Grandmaster Strongthorn and his wing put under San's charge goodbye the night before. He checked his saddlebags, slung his leather pack on his back, and tightened the deep blue cloak around his shoulders. Beside him, as he climbed atop his great steed, sat Lola on a pony of her own. She smiled as brightly as the sunlight, peeking over the eastern edge of the world. Durham looked across the inner walls of the keep one last time, gazing over to the dragon stables on his left, then down the length of the avenue leading out of the gates. So much had happened there within the past several weeks? It had nearly been a month, but those events had changed him forever. They'd changed everyone. Shall we be off then, Mr. Gladalons? We don't wish to be late, do we, sir? Lala smiled as she spoke, her cheeks pink with chill. No, ma'am, replied Turum, urging his steed forward. I sent my mother a letter more than a week ago now, but don't worry. She'll be expecting we take our time on the road as we come. It won't be long before we get you set up with a bit of farm you can call your own. I can't wait, she said. I think I've at least made peace with my own family's passing. I'll always miss them, but I'm ready for a new life, I think. There's a lot I'd like to see beyond the river. I've never gone that far west before. Jerem kicked his horse's sides and the pair rode over the frozen earth. It crunched beneath their beast hooves and reminded him of snow, even though they'd not had any yet. He felt pity for Lola's loss again, but that only reminded him that the family he had left was precious. I look forward to seeing her, he told Lola as he waved to the guards who stood above them in the gatehouse. It's been more than a year since I've been home. During the last festival of the snows, in fact. Lala was quiet a moment, then her voice came out cheery and sweet. I, myself, look forward mostly to the festival. In my own village, we used to have all different kinds of food. Everyone would bring their family's most sure after dish, and then we'd share it so none would miss a single tasty treat there. Do you do the same during your festival of snows? Jerem looked on her fondly. She was so good at reminding him of what they'd fought for. Well, there will be a great deal of food, yes. And there's also singing and storytelling, and we give gifts to each other. Though that was first a practice among my father's family, not so much my mother's. The giving of gifts by elves is a thing more rare and special than what the festival represents. Oh, well that does sound nice, but why don't elves give gifts very often? We don't give them during the Festival of Snows, but then um, we do for many other occasions. Turum watched the shadow of the great southern wall of Grenelag Keep fall over them and pass. 
perhaps because they give wondrous gifts when the time to give them comes. And mind you, it only comes in the direst of times, when a gift is truly needed. Oh, said Lola, and then she was quiet for a time. Slowly they descended along the well-worn road leading from the gates, down from the Golden Ridge. The way was filled with large stones that seemed to smile at their passing, but they soon came to flatter land. They turned westward, making their way to the west road through the Lockwood Forest. There, the trees still were green and bright, unsullied by the onset of winter. An occasional leaf fell, however, reminding Turm that nothing could last forever. Leagues passed beneath their horses' hooves. They heard the roar of the misty falls on the river Itinerus as it flowed southward toward Tessacon. They kept at a moderate pace, stopping for meals, looking at an especially magnificent tree or forest creature. In two days, during the late afternoon, after seeing the Lockwood Forest and riding across the plains of Westerseerk, they arrived on the outskirts of Turum's old home. They stood on a stubbed ridge of bald hills and looked out. This is it, milady. Does it suit you? Turum asked. Lola had a broad smile drawn on her face. It's better than I'd even expected. I hope I'll be close. Turm gently kicked his horse forward and rode down a smooth, grass-covered slope. Indeed. I believe the spot for you will be just over that bank in the distance. There the soil is deep and dark, and there's a hill just right for a home you might like. You'll have your own place again, a happy place. Then Lala replied simply, I like happy places. This has been the first in the Armageddon Collective of stories referred to as the Record of the Dragon Wars. We could never have done this without all of your support. We thank you for every kind word bestowed upon us during this last year of work as our crew of voice actors, artists, and me <laughs> put our blood, sweat, and tears into the production of this show. We learned and grew in so many ways. We will be taking a long hiatus. As you can imagine, writing, sound designing, and doing art for bi-weekly episodes has taken a toll on family and social lives. But that doesn't mean the story ends here. When we do return, approaching 2023, Armageddon, White Steel Peaks, will pick up where Black Dawn left off. This is Terry Tibke, creator of Armageddon, and I give you my deepest, most heartfelt thanks for being a listener. Take care, and happy holidays. <laughs>